Last week, we started a new series that's titled Faith Activators. Now, if you missed last week, it's okay. It's on our podcast, and it's on Spotify, on Apple Podcasting. It's on all the platforms. You can go find it, Worship Without Walls or 3W Church, and all of our preachings are there. You can watch it on our YouTube channel as well. But I'll recap a couple of quick little things. Number one, what is faith? Well, faith is complete trust in someone or something. That is what the definition of faith is, complete trust in someone or something. And because the series is titled or called Faith Activators, I looked up what is an activator. And an activator is a substance or something that initiates a chemical reaction, right? And we talked the example about the activator that you put in slime so that it will move, but it's not sticky. And we talked about the, when, you, when you get vinegar and you add it to baking soda, like in the volcano projects that you did at school or you did with your kid, and that causes a reaction and a bubbling to the surface. So if, if we know what faith is complete trust and activators are something that make a reaction, we defined a faith activator as an action or something that causes our faith to become active or activates our faith. And there's many different things that activate faith. Last week, we focused on giving as a measure or something that activates our faith. Now, if you didn't hear last week's sermon, again, go hear it. And we didn't hit up for a second offering because we talked about the fact that giving is more than finances. God asked Abel to give of the firstborn of his flock, he asked Abraham to give his son, and he asked the widow of Zarephath to bake a cake. The question is, what is God asking you and me to give, and are we willing to give it? Because as we do it, it will activate our faith. And today, we're going to get back into Hebrews 11. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. When you've got it, say amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, starting in verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And he's talking there about what happened in Genesis chapter 1. God spoke and it happened, right? If you weren't aware, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke and bang, there it was. It's my version, okay? God spoke it and it happened. Let there be light and there was light. Let there be a separation between the dry ground and the water, and there was a separation. Let there be a star or, or a light in the sky at day, a light at night, right? He created it by speaking. Man, he formed. Then he continues to say in verse number four, this is what we preached out of last week. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous... God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Verse 5 and 6, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found. 
because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. If we read verse 1 one more time, just look up to verse 1 and verse 2, right? Verse 2 specifically, for by it, by what? By faith, the people of old received their commendation, their reward, their acknowledgement. We're talking about the hall of fame of faith here. Abel was commended by what he gave, and there it says here that Enoch, in verse number five, was taken, before he was taken, was commended as having pleased God. Verse number six, underline this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For without it, right? It, it says there, whoever would draw near to God must first believe that he exists. Faith, complete trust in someone or something. So obviously, if you have no faith, you do not believe in God, you will not be able to reach God, even though he's right there, because you do not have faith. Now, faith is an essential component for us to please God, right? Before we even get into the faith activator we're going to talk about today, we need to understand faith pleases God. What do we mean by faith pleasing God or faith pleases God? You are saved by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, for is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's people who believe that they will make it to heaven because of how good they are or because they've changed and they're different and now they help people and do these things and they're earning their way to heaven. That is non-scriptural. You and I do not deserve heaven. So you don't get offended. Let me tell it to you this way. I do not deserve heaven. This guy up here, I'm a sinner. I crucified Jesus onto the cross through my sin. It's a little tidbit. If you've never watched Passion of the Christ, I recommend you do. It's very gory. Don't show it to your children yet. And there's a portion when they're crucifying Jesus that only shows the hand of the person holding the nail. Many people don't know that it was Mel Gibson who held the nail. His cameo, he produced the movie. His cameo was the one holding the nail. And he said because it was his sins that held Jesus to the cross. I think that's so awesome to hear that. Because many of us blame, oh, it was the Romans, it was the Jews, it was this. No, Bible, it was you and it was me. Our sin hammered Jesus to the cross. So this guy, me, David Perez, does not deserve heaven. And I cannot do anything to earn it. I believe it, or I receive it, by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, and he was perfect. He died on a cross, and he rose from the grave to make a place for me. That is saving faith. That's the faith that then pleases God. The fact that you have a belief, right? We cannot earn heaven. We don't deserve heaven. We believe in him by faith. Now that we have that clear, 
Faith pleases God. I want to read verse number five one more time. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Let, let me give you the, the, the layman's term. Enoch does not have a grave site because he did not die on earth. That's what the verse is telling us. By faith, Enoch was taken up. He was raptured. He did not see death on earth. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended, rewarded, acknowledged, enshrined in the hall of fame of faith as having pleased God. So I want us to talk this morning about who Enoch was. So go to Genesis chapter number five. Genesis chapter number five. Enoch shows up in the Bible three times. He shows up in Genesis, he shows up in Hebrews, and he shows up in the book of Jude. Three times is where Enoch shows up. And it says here in chapter number five, verse number 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. 365 years he walked with God. This is what we know about Enoch. He's the seventh person from Adam. Counting from Adam, he's the seventh generation. He walked so closely to God that God said, I don't want you on earth anymore. Just come up with me. And no one knows where he was. He, just, he didn't die. He just vanished with God, raptured. Like Elijah was taken up in the chariots of fire. And in the book of Jude, he describes the prophecy that Enoch gave concerning the Messiah's reign. Seventh from Adam prophesied about Jesus returning with the 10,000. And that got him in the hall of fame of faith. He had a relationship with God that was deeply connected. When you look up the word walk, okay, it says walk with God there. In the original language in the Hebrew, it gives the connotation or the description of walking with God. It gives a description of a habitual walk, according to the Newberry translation and study Bible. It is a habitual walk, something that was done continuously. It wasn't a once in a while. It wasn't a every so often. It was a continual connection. You know who we also see having that in Scripture? Jesus. Right? The Bible says that Jesus would go to the mountain to pray as was his custom. When the disciples couldn't find Jesus, they didn't freak out. They went to a solitary place to see where he was praying that day. The Bible tells us that several times in the Gospels. Enoch had such a relationship with God that he walked with him. That is his activation of faith. And let me tell you, this is not, gonna, this is not earth shattering, but it's important for us to realize and understand. Walking with God activates our faith. Walking with God activates our faith. Right? We, we, we're, a lot of us in here have Hispanic backgrounds. 
So we've heard the saying, dime con quien anda y te diré quien eres. Translated is tell me who you're hanging out with and I'll tell you who you are. Birds of a feather flock together, right? Like that type of stuff. Here's the reality. Who you hang out with, who you and I walk with, who you and I do life with, will activate or deactivate our faith. And nothing will activate our faith quicker and faster than a habitual walk with God. Habitual walk with God. Your devotions should be a habit. Oh, you're saying I, is it the habit of reading the Bible? Yes, non-negotiable. It just happens. What's the first thing I do when I wake up? I read. It is, it's become second nature, right? Like that, that's what it needs to get to. And so when I talk about walking with God, activating our faith, I want to break it down into three things. The first one is this. It's talking with God. Part of your walking with God is talking with God. But can I tell you what the problem for the majority of Christians is? We talk a lot and we don't listen. Okay, don't raise your hand on this one, but, 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 but how many of you know somebody, maybe you love them dearly, I hope you love them dearly, but they never let you put a word in. Anybody, anybody like that? Don't look around. Stop looking, people. I don't want to have to have marital counselings later. <laughs> keep it to yourself. Keep your arms down. Tie them <laughs> No word. Like it's rapid fire. And then you try to say something and they're like. And it's like. Do I get... And many of us, that's our, that's our prayer. That's our, that's our prayer with God. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Thank you for this. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the other. But God, I need your help with this and my finances and this. And la, 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 la. Hey, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, boom. Listen to music. Go into a there was no quiet time where you actually listen. In education, there's a term that's called wait time. And so wait time is something that they talk to teachers about even when they're studying to become an educator. And it's this. It is the practice of giving time for a student to raise their hand and answer before you then start saying it. And sometimes we, you know, we're, we're in that, it, 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 there creates almost like an awkward silence until somebody finally says something, you know what I'm talking about? And because there's an awkward silence, you're very tempted to like start talking again. Hey, part of our talking with God is getting into an awkward silence where you listen for him. And I'm not talking about just an audible voice, God can talk to you through a gazillion things and can I tell you the one that he talks to you the most through is not through your pastor it's through your reading of the Bible I thank God that I have the privilege of speaking into your life and I pray that you receive from God not from David Perez whenever you sit down to listen to a message but God wants to talk to you Monday through Sunday and it's not because you spoke to David or your small group leader or this mentor it's because you spent time in his word. So talking with God, that includes your prayer time, your worship time. Spending time with God is the second one. 
Now, when I talk about spending time with God, I want to be very direct and, and very real and actually very practical. Intentional, undistracted time. Have you ever sat with someone and you are physically together, but you're not together? Right? Like, you're together, but both of you on phones? You're together, but one's on the computer? You're together, but somebody's distracted. And a lot of times, you and I, we try to find if what we're doing fits or counts as time with God. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. So a little over three years ago, my pastor sat with me and uh, with uh, the other pastors that he pastors or mentors, and he said, we, we want to work on building a devotional plan. Now, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, but I've never, I had never crafted a devotional plan. I've read through the Bible each year. I had done all kinds of different things. But he was like, let's be intentional. Let's write down how many days a week you're going to intentionally set aside to spend with God. How many minutes each time? How many weeks in the year? Let's do the math. How many hours this year are you going to dedicate to Bible reading, worship, devotion time? And I can say this without any qualms about it. That was to start the year 2021. I can honestly say the greatest year of personal spiritual growth in my life was that year. And I had been a Christian for almost 30. And it wasn't that I was doing anything necessarily different. The biggest difference I did was I carved out and said, I am doing this and I am dedicating myself to do this. And I journaled and I wrote and I did all these things. And, and, and man, I, I probably went through about 10 legal pads that year of Bible reading notes. Because before that, I would. I would read the Bible, and sometimes I'd be like, oh, if I'm driving in the car and I'm in traffic, I'll do the audio Bible, and I'll listen. But, you know, that's great. It's better than nothing. But it's hard to listen to what God is trying to tell you as you're listening to the Word of God, and you're driving in Miami, and somebody cuts you off and then flips you off for it. Be real. We live in Miami. You listen to the same chapter 12 times. And then you said, what did I hear? I, I have no idea what I heard. Let me hear it again. Because we weren't spending time. I do that exercise now with my leaders. And with people that I mentor and some of our small groups, I, I, I just like, hey, let's, let's craft a devotional plan. And I have a couple of pastors that I mentor, and I've done that with them. And, and it's funny because one of them, I reached out to him in, in, at the end of December, and I was like, hey, have you started planning your devotional plan for next year? And he wrote back, funny you should say that. I actually did. And then he sent it to me. And then when we met in person, he says, you know, Pastor David, I was on vacation in another state visiting my family, and I had some quiet time, and I knew you were going to ask me, what are you going to do for the Lord in your personal time? So I started crafting it. Thank you. And then he said, can you do it with my leaders? It's like, awesome. So we, we jumped on a Zoom call, and, and, and I started there with his leadership team doing the same practice, right, to kind of get them to build this. And one of the guys, he did what we do. This, I'm gonna, just, just bear with me a second. He's like, you know, Pastor David, let me ask you a question. I do this for church. And so during the week, I spend time, let's say, I, I lead worship. So during the week, I, I, I spend time listening to new songs and suing this. And it, does that count? You know, during the, does that count? That's like me saying, 
well, you need to spend time with your wife. And you're like, well, we sleep in the same bed. Does that count? While you both are sleeping? No! Like, ain't no osmosis conversation happening on, right? Like, like, it's not happening. And so we are built that way to figure out, well, if I'm already doing this, does it count? Well, does this count? Does this count? And God is saying, I want to just have intentional time with you. I want to talk with you. I want to spend time with you. And so instead of looking and saying, well, does this count or this count, is looking and saying, how do I arrange it to make this a priority? Like, how do we arrange it to make a priority that we can go on on a date? I'm talking about, right, in, in the relationship with my spouse. Where we make the arrangement for the girls to go to grandma's or, 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 or we take a time where they're going to be in school and it was a, a time that we can take off. We make a prioritized executive decision to ensure that there is time for it. But we seldomly don't do that with our God. We will, and, and I'm air quoting this, if you're watching, listening to on a podcast later on, I'm air quoting, we will say we're walking with God. But we do nothing of the things that God really wants us to do. See, because it's talking with God, it's spending time with God. It's, here's, here's the third one I want to just talk about for a little bit. It's going in the same direction as God. When you're walking with him, you're going in the same direction. What does that mean? God tells you to go this way and you go the way he wants you to go. Not like when we punch an address into the GPS and it says it's going to take 28 minutes and it wants you to go down Miller, but you're like, nah, if I do sunset, I'll get there faster without knowing there was construction and now you took 45 minutes. And God's like, I told you. <laughs> We're like, I, I can do it faster. I can. And, and, and we try to do all these things. No, we need to go in the same direction as God. Jonah didn't go in the same direction as God, did he? God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I'm going to the opposite direction. Now, it's crazy, the story of Jonah. Because God encounters him anyways. And Jonah ends up going where God wants him to go. But he had to be in a giant fish for three days to get there. And I don't want to spend time in a giant fish. And we know that... Jonah's heart, because he reveals it at the end, you know why he didn't want to go in the same direction as God? Because he knew God would forgive the people if they cried out. That's pretty gnarly in a bad way. Because he looks at God and says, you see, I knew you would forgive him. And so we, again, say we walk with God, but then we don't want to pray for that person because they hurt us. We don't want to tell this person about Jesus because they're so bad. They, they, they don't deserve to get to heaven, and God will forgive them if, he, if they do turn to him. So I'm not saying anything. Oh, I got really quiet in this church. <laughs> Are we going in the same direction? Like, have you ever canoed with somebody and they're rowing the wrong way? I was canoeing with somebody one time, and they're like, instead of rowing forward, they were going it backwards. I'm like, stop, right? Like, like, I was like, I'll take the load. Stop. And so God's trying to lead us. We need to be more like Moses, who when they're in the wilderness, said, if your presence isn't going, 
I'm not going. If you're not going to be there, I don't want to be there. As we're making a decision about where we're going to go to school or where we're going to apply to go to work or, or, or what promotion or what this, especially, please, the person you're going to marry, all of these things, you need to look and ask, God, is this what you want for me? Is this the direction you're rowing? And if you're walking with him, you'll be able to understand and you'll get there. Can I tell you? Let me go back to the canoe. It's so much easier to canoe with a second person in the boat that knows what they're doing. I remember one time, a long time ago, before I paddleboarded, I've always liked to go on my lake to have time with God because I just, when I'm out there by myself and have my AirPods on, whatever, I just, I can connect with God. One time I went out there and, and I had made the mistake. This is a rookie mistake and I had been canoeing a long time, but I did it anyways because I just got lost in my worship. I, I went with the current. And I had gone all the way to the other side of the lake. I even crossed to the lake under 142nd Avenue going under the canal because they can connect. And then I turned around to go back. I got there in like 12 minutes. It was super fast. And I'm by myself in the canoe, and I'm trying to get back to the house, and now I'm like sweating, and I'm like, oh, whatever. And if I stopped just for like 10 seconds, my boat would turn around and start going back. And that's how windy and how bad the current was. And in that same current, two people rowing together, you'll get to the place, cutting through the water. And we're navigating life without walking with God. And so we're on this canoe going against the current of life, the current of mainstream media, the current of culture, and trying to do it on our own. Yet we go to church on Sunday and say that we walk with God. No, it's a daily thing we need to do. Walking with God is habitually spending time with him. It is spending time talking to him, listening with him, listening to him, having conversation with him. Have you ever noticed that when you are walking, even if you're walking for exercise, but if you're doing it with somebody else and you start having conversation, everything slows down? Because when you're doing it, that you're like speed walking for exercise and you're doing the thing, da, 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 whatever, like you don't talk much because it's very hard to talk and huff and puff at the same time <laughs> because you don't, it doesn't work. So you tend to slow down. Let's not try to get there so fast. Let's take our time with God. God, what do you want to speak to me today? God, I have to make this decision. Are you in it? God, is this where you want me to purchase a home? God, is this where you want me to apply? God, is this where you want me to go? God, is, I'm going to this interview. Is this what you want me to wear? Yeah, even what you're going to wear to an interview, pray about. God can like, you could be like, we were going to wear this, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't feel like wearing this tie. And you think it's that you don't feel like wearing this tie. And you find out after you get the job that that person interview hated that color. It was like, thank you, God, that I didn't wear the tie I was going to wear. You think stuff like that throws people off. You know that, right? It's like, don't talk, talk, to, don't talk to me with the Jets jersey or a Gator one. Like, 
You know, we have shirts. We have shirts for our ushers and greeters now, and it's because of Don and Joy. You know, they, they, they would go greet at church, and they'd be like, Pastor, we were greeting today, so we purposely wore a gator shirt. I was like, order shirts, somebody. Get them shirts. No, I'm just I love you guys. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. And that's okay. See the wisdom in that? I got them to wear it. So pray about everything. It's actually what Thessalonians says. In everything with prayer and supplication, make your request be known to God. Sorry, that's Philippians. Thessalonians says pray without ceasing. Inverted them. Fact check me, people. Read your Bibles. Fact check me. Talking with God, spending time with God, going in the same direction as God. And can I tell you what this does? This, is gonna, this, this blew me away. Church, our walking with God brings a generational blessing. Our walking with God brings a generational blessing. Watch this. Enoch walked with God. And he was not. Do you know who the only other person that the Bible uses the same exact frame of walked with God is? Noah. And Noah was Enoch's great grandson. And Noah stood apart from the entire generation that was doing evil as the one that was righteous. And the one that walked with God is the one who God called to build an ark and save humanity. And Noah never met his great-grandpa. As a matter of fact, Noah was born 86 years, if you do the math, after Enoch died. But do you know that Noah's dad, when he named him, said, I'll just tell it to you. I'm going to show it to you right now because it's the next, it's two verses after. Lamech, which is Enoch's grandson, had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hand. This generational blessing and then saving mankind started with Enoch choosing to walk with God. You and I are making eternal generational impact in our relationship with God and sometimes we don't think or understand or realize the impact we're having it's just little old me no my great great grandson might be the one that God uses to do x y or z and it starts today it takes a reprogramming of our mind a renewing of our mind, as the Bible says. Because what do we want? We want instant gratification, don't we? We want to see the result right now, which is why we start a diet today and we weigh ourselves tonight. <laughs> By the way, you don't weigh yourself at night. No matter how you do, you always weigh more at the end of the day. Unless you fasted. That's a different ballgame. Or we start the gym today and we look in the mirror. There's things happening on the inside that takes a habitual doing to see the external manifestation. So what will activate our faith? 
worship team, come to the altar. Walking with God. I ask us this question. I want you to ask yourself this question. Who are we walking with? Who are we pleasing? I can't tell you how many times I talk to somebody who's a believer, perhaps a believer that's been a Christian for a long time, but they do something to gain favor in front of a boss that doesn't please God. Who are we trying to please? Who is it that we are walking with? Are we walking with people that get us closer to God or are we walking with people that says, you're doing that again? Who are we walking with? And who are we trying to please? And again, what does walking with God, what are we talking about? It's talking with Him. It's spending time with Him. It's going in the same direction. Our devotions, our prayer life, our worship time, our Bible reading, those things bring us in unison with God. And we're able to have a faith that moves mountains. A faith that pleases God. And a faith that brings the reward. Let's stand to our feet this morning. As we enter a time of worship, this is what I want us to do. If you're online as well, I want us to actually ask ourselves, measure ourselves. How am I doing with my walking with God? How am I doing with my walking with God? And as we worship, I, I want you to examine and ask yourself, be honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to write it down or share it with me. This is you and God. Nobody else is going to know about it. Am I walking with him the way he wants it? Am I spending time with him the way he wants? Or am I just too busy with all the other things? And I pray that this conversation with him challenges us. to truly begin to walk with him the way he desires. Come on, let's just worship for a minute.